You're listening to Keeping It Real with Janine, your guide to living an authentic, healthy life. I'm Janine Strong, your guide for these informative conversations. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you haven't done so already, please go to the podcast website, realjanine.com, J-A-N-E-A-N, and take a minute to leave your email address to keep you informed of new episodes and blog posts. You can also leave comments and ideas for guests and new topics. My guest today is Nathan Frazier. He's the owner of Podcast Blast Off and is an excellent copywriter and marketing genius. He's also my podcast mentor. He's written ads for supplement and nutrition companies. And today, he's joining us for a conversation that is near and dear to his heart because it has affected him personally. And it's a conversation on pharmaceuticals and regulatory agencies and how this affects all of us. Hey, Nathan, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. And thank you for inviting me on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, thank you so much for accepting. I I really appreciate it. Um, Let's let's start off with your story of how pharmaceuticals, um, I believe it's your mother that was taking some prescription medications, and that this really affected her and and you as a child. Yeah, so we grew up on welfare and Medicaid, Medicare, the whole nine yards. Mm -hmm. And uh, my mom did not have the most healthy choice in relationships, and she tended to gravitate towards very abusive relationships. And um, when we were kids, she ended up getting my dad broke her jaw, I oh. think three, yeah, three times. And uh, <sighs> he, he had his own issues. He was an alcoholic and he was addicted to heroin at the time and mm. um, it, it, broken household. You, you know the story. But wow. uh, yeah, that sounds pretty tough. Yeah. So we were on government provided health care and uh, they said that to give my mom reconstructive surgery to actually fix her jaw would be considered cosmetic. Oh, and you're the kidding. State, no, I'm not absolutely true. Oh my God. Uh, so the state wouldn't pay for reconstructive surgery of her jaw. And instead, because uh, the state had contracts with all the pharmaceutical companies um, at a very young age, I think I was maybe five years old, maybe six years old when my mom first went on um, painkillers and it uh, it was I don't know if it was cheaper in the long run. I think they actually spent more money on painkillers and all the other drugs that it eventually led to. But at the time, the state was more than willing to put her on on prescription drugs, and so that's what they opted for. Uh, she went on the painkillers. She slowly turned into um, a zombie. Basically, I, I, a lot of the opiate painkillers are are in my opinion, just as bad, if not worse than the stuff you can get on the street. Mm-hmm. And uh, the painkillers led to um, bouts of psychosis and depression. So from the painkillers, then they started putting on antidepressants. The painkillers mixed with the antidepressants led them to put her on antipsychotics because she started having psychotic breaks. And it got to the point where in my teenage years, when I was about 15, 16 years old, my mom was on over 30 pills a day that she was taking. She would wake up. She had to take pills that would wake her up. She would 
uh, had to take pills to to level her attitude. She had to take pills to fight the depression. She had to take pills to keep her mentally uh, balanced. And then at the end of the day, she had to take pills to put her to sleep, um, sleeping pills. A lot of times she would fall asleep while she was eating. She'd just fall asleep right in her plate of food, oh uh, fall asleep. She burnt down. She burnt out our apartment twice. Oh my god! Falling, yeah, falling asleep while she was cooking. Um, what a yes. travesty! I, yes, this is. Yeah. If I didn't <laughs> know and trust, it's scary. If I didn't know and trust you, I'd say, "Oh my god, you have to be making this up. This is awful." Around what what years are we talking about here? Um, so, chronologically, uh, the first time that. So I was born in 1978 and the early 80s was when they first put her on um, the painkillers. Mm -hmm. And by the early 90s was when she was on all kinds of different drugs. I want to say like 91, 92 was when she burnt down. Uh, we were living in an apartment complex called Los Cinco's. It was like a low income um, apartment complex. She fell asleep when she was eating or when she was cooking, burnt mm -hmm. down. Burnt out, burnt like half of the apartment complex or uh, oh, apartment building. Yeah. And uh, so we were living in a motel for a while. We got, they reconstructed it. We ended up getting another apartment. She did the same thing about less than a year later at the other apartment. It was, it was crazy. And uh, it, it just got worse and worse. It was one pill would lead to the other, would lead to the other, would lead to the other. And uh, you see the commercials you take this pill to get rid of your eczema and you might start pooping blood and you might start having migraines and you might start having suicidal thoughts. So then they give you antidepressants and, and um, stool softeners and then the antidepressants lead to other things. So for, for every one cure, there's 15 different possible side effects and, mm -hmm. and it was always like a lottery, a bad lottery, but it was always like a, a roll of the dice we're going to give you this to try and fix this, but then we'll have to give you other pills to try and fix that. When I was uh, 20, in my early 20s, uh, I had to take over as caretaker for my mom. Mm -hmm. And they gave me power of attorney and, and we started weaning her off of all of the prescription drugs. Because by that time, I was very much into exploring homeopathic Mm -hmm. solutions. I was into diet, looking at diet, looking at lifestyle as, and these are things that the doctors, especially the, the government healthcare doctors, they don't learn this stuff or maybe they're not paid to, to explain it, but. Isn't that diet, crazy? I think part mm -hmm. of it is time. I mean, I know mm -hmm. up here, uh, your appointment with an MD is paid for, but it's like 15 minutes. What can they do in 15 minutes? I think that's why they write so many scripts. There's no time for anything else. Mm -hmm. And there's other things. We'll probably explore those as well. But um, at, the, at the chagrin of her doctors, when I took over as her caretaker, they, were very, they fought me tooth and nail about it. But I wanted to get her off as many of the pills as possible. And so we went from her being on about 30 pain pill or 30 different pills a day um, uh, I think it was a little bit over. I think it was like 36 pain pills a day or 36 pills a day that she was on. God. Um, yeah, we got her down to where she was only taking nine. And, now about uh, how old, how old was she at this time? Um, gosh, probably late 
late, either late thirties or early forties. You or her, her. Oh, her. I mean, her. Really? Yeah, I was. I was in my early twenties at this time. She had me when she was young. Wow. I guess yeah. so. She had been taking all of these medications then for about ten years for, or so. For about yeah, ten or fifteen years, wow. and it just progressively got worse and worse and worse to the point where, because um, for a long time. She was handling it herself, and then she just lost the mental capability to do that. Mm -hmm. Then my grandmother took over it, and my grandma just got so frustrated with it that she didn't want to handle it anymore. And so they said, well, who's going to step up and be the caretaker? And I had just uh, moved back in at that time. My mom kicked me out when I was 15. Mm -hmm. And so from 15 to 20, I was living, um, I was kind of couch hopping and uh, had to quit school and start working full time and that's kind of when I got into the entrepreneurial world because mm-hmm. um, I was like, I need to make more money than working for somebody else is, is paying the bills right now. So, uh, but then when I was in my early twenties, sh- she kind of fell on a spot where she didn't have anybody else to take care of her and to, to, um, take her to and from her doctor's appointments. My grandma just got fed up with it and said she wasn't going to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up, moving back in with her and and helping her with all that. But I told her the condition was she had to get off of the majority of the pills. So we got her off of them and her lifestyle dramatically improved. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, what kinds of changes did you see in, in getting her off of a lot of the meds? Mostly it was the depression stopped. The depression started going away. Mm -hmm. The psychotic swings. There was times before when I, when I was uh, like 14, 15 years old, there was times where she would come out. Uh, she became very um, like reclusive. She stayed in her bedroom. She didn't leave the house very much. Mm. Um, she would come out of the bedroom and she would be all happy and cheerful, go back into the bedroom and then come out maybe two or three minutes later just in a rage, screaming and yelling and uh, just uh, making all kinds of crazy accusations and, and, uh, oh giant my goodness. Mood how did you handle this? I mean, I can <laughs> only imagine how this affected you emotionally, psychologically. Yeah. I mean, I guess it was kind of like the, the frog in the water syndrome where it just had become such a, it, it became such a normal, it was kind of the baseline. So I just, me and my brother and my sisters just kind of learned to accept that, there was healthy households and then there was our household. Wow. And were you the oldest? Yeah, I was. Yeah. So you had to be, be the adult in the room. Yeah. Well, uh, I tried, I failed miserably plenty of times though. Well, uh, it's, I don't think a a young person is really quite equipped, uh, (laughs) developmentally and, and experience wise to handle something like this. Yeah. And so, um, 2000 and, Five ish was uh, about 2000, mid two, mid 2005, late 2005. We had gotten her down to where she was only taking less than 20 pills. I think she was down to like 12 pills a day or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was really good for a number of years. For about six years, she was really good. Um, and then in 2012, uh, my my little brother as is probably a pretty common occurrence when you come from a household like ours. Uh, my little brother developed a really bad drinking problem, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. we um, 
we probably partied too hard as kids. In December of 2011, he ended up having to go to the hospital. He started losing his vision and oh they couldn't goodness. figure out. Yeah, he, he, they couldn't figure out why he kept seeing like double vision. Mm-hmm. Um, they they thought maybe it was diabetes. They thought maybe he was they did a bunch of brain scans trying to figure out what it was. And uh, they couldn't figure it out. By early 2012, he, he started, his skin started turning yellow and his eyes, like the whites of his eyes even started turning yellow. He's 29, well, 29 years old. Well, it sounds like liver. Yep. Alcohol. It was his liver. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. His liver was going out on him. And uh, by the time they caught it, it was too, well, they said it was too late. He went to the hospital in April or January, February, March. He went to the hospital in March and was in and out of the hospital from March until April. And then in April, um, April 13th, it's Friday the 13th on mm-hmm. 2012, he ended up passing away. And uh, my dad, actually, he died three days earlier from very similar. He had contracted hepatitis from shooting up. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... A lot of drug abuse in my background, both wow. legal and illegal. And mm-hmm. my mom, my mom just lost it. My brother and my dad both dying within three days of each other. She just went off the deep end. Uh, she just couldn't handle it. They, she started abusing, not really abusing, but they started upping the prescriptions that she was on. They started putting her on on antidepressants again and putting her on um, not so much the painkillers, but they definitely upped the antidepressants. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the pills that the doctor, she had two different doctors and one doctor prescribed her one set of pills. Another doctor prescribed her a different set of pills. And about a year after my brother died, she ended up passing away. She had a heart attack and it was it was um, the coroner said it was because the, the pills that they gave her were just way too strong. The amount that she was being prescribed. So not not abusive, not didn't overdose on him just the doctor prescribed her more than her heart could take and she ended up passing away so within like a year and just a few months i had a dad die from complications due to heroin addiction a brother died from alcohol addiction and then a mom died from prescription drugs so i'm very now i'm very clean about what i put into my body i try to stay away from as many toxins as possible mm-hmm. and uh, i'm a big I'm a huge believer in in what you put into your body. I think that I think the way our our medical industry has become is they don't put enough focus on what we fuel ourselves with and their their cure is always well just put these pills in your body and I'm very anti that. I go completely the opposite direction in my beliefs. Mhm. I agree completely. It's um you know, and the pills, the, the, the medications generally, it's just, it's, it's, to me, it's like a Band-Aid approach. It's just, it, it, it's handling the symptoms, but it's not dealing with the underlying etiology of why this person has these symptoms to begin with. Mm-hmm. So if nothing else changes, you know, it's, and then you've got all the side effects that you have to take more pills for. It's crazy. It, at least with naturopaths, they're trying to uh, look for the core cause, the root cause, and they're using natural, you know, natural 
supplements and and looking at your diet and nutrition, looking at your lifestyle and your stress, um, all of these things, you know, have a, an incredible an effect on on how you feel and and your health. Yeah, and I think that some pharmaceuticals, some certain things, like they they derive from natural things anyways. So to completely write off nat, uh, natural remedies is kind of uh, ignorant, in my opinion. I mean, scurvy, we we solved scurvy with, what was it, vitamin C, I vitamin believe. Vitamin C, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of the medications, they are, they have natural stuff at their roots. They're just either stripped down, refined, or synthetically processed or created. Um, but what what it really comes down to, in my opinion, and this is just I guess a little bit myopic because it's comes from my own experience. Maybe it's anecdotal, but Mm -hmm. also just from being in marketing and being in the advertising world and, and owning two businesses and knowing how the business side of things works, you can't copyright, you can't patent naturally occurring, uh, things. You can't patent vitamin C. You can't patent, uh, different vitamins that have tremendous healing components to them. So rather than if you're a company and you're, and oh man, this is such a huge thing to unpack because if you're a business and you want to, if you want to help people and you want to sell stuff, the way that the FDA here in America is set up and, and it's probably similar in a lot of other Westernized nations you're almost not capable of doing it because the way that it's set up, you have to, it's like a million dollars or maybe even more just to test, not even to get approved, just to run the FDA tests. You have mm-hmm. to pay a bunch of money. So unless you can patent it and, and, and unless there's a big enough demand in the, in the market for it, there's no reason to even go to the FDA because if you're going to pay a million dollars to test some kind of, you know, we have a hypothesis that uh, vitamin C can cure scurvy. Well, in order to get the FDA to say, yeah, you can just test that, you have to pay a million dollars. Then you have to pay all of the testing. Then you have to pay all of your submission fees. So it ends up being before any pill ever comes to market, you end up spending close to 10 million, maybe more just to get it to market. And if you can't patent it, like you can't with most of natural occurring things, uh, CBDs, you can't patent those. You Mm -hmm. can't patent um, vitamins. You can't patent minerals. So if you can't patent them, there's, and you have to pay $10 million to get them to the, to the market. And then as soon as you've paid that $10 million, million and proven that it actually works to help improve some sort of health condition, Anybody can take that research and start selling it. So these big companies, I, I believe some of them actually want to help people. But when they're faced with, we can pay $10 million and then we don't have the exclusive right to sell it. Anybody can come in and sell it. Why are we going to pay $10 million? So there's a lot of things where there are natural remedies that will drastically, again, going back to scurvy, there's a natural remedy that that cures scurvy, but you're not allowed to say that it cures scurvy, even though everybody knows that it cures scurvy, even though everybody knows cinnamon helps drop your, your blood sugar, even though everybody knows that all of these things exist, you're legally, and this is where it comes into my experience, 
you're legally not allowed to say that in your advertising. And so I've worked with um, heart supplement companies Mm -hmm. that do way better job of regulating people's heart and and keeping their heart, their blood pressure down and keeping their blood, their heart healthy, do incredibly better job than what the doctors are prescribing, but they're not even allowed to say it because they can't, they can't justify paying $10 million to the FDA because, Mm -hmm. because of that whole situation. So you have all of these, you have all of these, um, actual cures for things and, and I hate to sound like Justin Trudeau, but or, or not Justin Trudeau, uh, the the guy that did the the natural remedies they don't want you to know about, Kevin Trudeau. Oh, yeah. I hate to sound like that guy, but he did hit on some truth there. There are there are lots of you know the old time chicken noodle chicken noodle soup is great for when you've got when you've got the the winter cold, mm-hmm. but you're not you're not legally allowed to say that. So, um, and doctors. They get they get money from the from the prescription like they get bonuses they get kickbacks for prescribing people the the pills and so the whole from top right. to bottom the whole thing is just corrupted and the the I, in my opinion the biggest problem with it is the regulators the regulators are the regulatory agencies are corrupt and if you want to do business in the market you have to get in bed with them and. Uh, you know, as soon as as soon as you give the government power to regulate an industry, the first thing that's going to happen is the most corruptible people are going to buy those regulators. As soon as the government can regulate what's bought and sold, the first thing to be bought and sold will be the regulators. And that's what's happened to our medical industry. Mm-hmm. What do we do? This is, you know, I mean, it's it, it's it's frustrating. It's it, it needs to change. But how do we? You know, how do we how do we work with this? How do we change it? How, how do people, you know, people who are have just a a regular allopathic doctor who isn't interested in learning more about nutrition or about inflammation and how inflammation is pretty much the root cause of of all dysfunctions? It's turning out. You know, how do you how do you find somebody that can really work with you as a person and not just a patient to be given prescriptions to deal with your symptoms? It's it's tricky. It's an uphill battle. So here's I guess there's there's what we just talked about, which is kind of the downside, the fact that the entire industry is is rotten to the core a lot of, I I hate to use the, because I'm a huge capitalist. I I believe in the free market and I really cringe when people say the people over profits thing. But when it comes to the medical industry, there's a lot of truth to it that a lot of the, um, a lot of the people higher up in these pharmaceutical companies, they are more concerned with making profits than helping people. Um, but there is kind of a bright side to it too, because, nowadays we have communication and we have the ability to, uh, it, it used to be that unless you, unless you got a book deal from Scheinman and Suster or from, uh, one of the big publishing houses, nobody ever was able to read your work unless you had, uh, unless you had clearing from the FCC and you were on, uh, one of the clear channel networks, nobody would ever hear your opinions about things. 
mm-hmm. um, and, unless you owned the New York Times or uh, Washington Post, nobody could hear your political opinions. And that's changing now. And the, the conversation is getting out there. And whereas when my mom was going through what she went through, she had one person she had or, or one authority uh, you know, the doctors, they were the only people that had an opinion about what she was able to do. And so back in the eighties, back in the nineties, there wasn't the availability of information that there is now, nowadays, and, and it's still kind of like, uh, a, a, a minefield. Um, I just recently read a book. Do you know who G Edward Griffin is? No, I don't. So he, I, I was introduced to his work years and years ago. He wrote a book about the federal reserve. Mm-hmm. It was called The Creature from Jekyll Island, and it was all about how the Federal Reserve came into being, how the Federal Reserve works, and why the value of our money has dropped more than 99% in the last 100 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, he recently put, put another book out called A World Without Cancer, and I read that. I, I loved his first book, and I was like, okay, I'll check out this other book. And uh, he goes into B17. You, are you familiar with vitamin B17? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, so he goes into um, uh, amygdalin and B17 and and all the different uh, aspects of what the FDA has done to doctors that have used diet and uh, and B17 to try and cure cancer. And the amount of the amount of evidence that cutting out foods that are hard for your pancreas to to break down foods that are high in sugar, foods that are high in carbohydrates, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, cutting those out of your diet, there's evidence. And and processed food. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Processed food, absolutely. And and, slight divergence. (laughs) Processed food to me, I just don't get it because like the reason you eat food is because it's supposed to be fuel for your body. Your body's supposed to break it down and turn it into fuel. And yet processed food is engineered to be harder to break down. I get it from a commercial point of view. Like you want to make more sales. You don't want your food rotting on the shelves. You want it to have a longer shelf life so you can actually turn a profit and keep your business viable. But at the same time, as a human being eating this stuff, I know that the food needs to break down. And when my food is made deliberately not to break down, I don't, I don't get how people even consider it to actually be food. But yeah, processed food is horrible for you. It's, it's toxic and uh, there's so much evidence of this. And when it comes to B17, he goes into how the FDA has deliberately skewed facts, how the FDA has shut down doctors that have a, a 70, 80 percent plus rate of curing people or, or having cancer go into complete remission by using B17. Mm-hmm. And all along the way, since since the 50s, all the way up until the 90s, when they finally just said, we're not going to allow it to be used in America at all, or at least a certain variant of B-17 to be used at all, mm-hmm. to watch how the FDA, and this is all to protect the, the cancer industry that has been built around marching for the cure, and to watch how the FDA protects people that aren't having success and uh, and basically silences people that are having success um, from top to bottom. The, the the whole agency is just is I I don't know how people still have faith in the in the uh, Food and Drug Administration, but um, it's, it, it's it's changing though. 
to where in the 80s when I was a kid, you trusted. You said, well, they've got our best interests in mind and the authorities are the ones that we go to for our answers. And now books like that one are coming out and YouTube, people that are are using uh, homeopathic cures, people that are using CBD oils to, to fight things, people that are using um, CBD to fight Crohn's disease, people that are using all these different things that for years and years we knew worked, but then within the last century or so, the FDA has come in and said, you can't say these things. But since these people are just saying, hey, these are just my experiences and this is just my research and this is just, I'm not a doctor, I'm not the authority figure, but me plus 10,000 other people have had the same experience and we're all on YouTube, we're all doing our podcasts, we're all self-publishing our books, we're all starting our blogs. I think that the tide is starting to turn and I'm very hopeful about that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. And it's it's also, you know... How do you sift through the the garbage and you know get the nuggets of truth cuz there's a lot of a lot of stuff out there on the internet that really you know to me isn't accurate. Mm-hmm. So how can I turn it around on you then? Sure. How do you cuz I know this is uh uh something that's very close to your heart and very passionate part of your journey. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. do you go through trying to figure out what you should give what what you should give credence to and what you should not uh, take so seriously or what you should take with a grain of salt? Well, uh, <laughs> it's an interest, that's a really interesting question to ask right now after, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I have a nursing background and, um, and I've always been very interested in nutrition. And I, I, I just, I do a lot of research and, but lately, see, I have stopped taking all of my supplements. I, I still take my thyroid medication, which is actually changing. I keep having to lower it now because my body is actually repairing and working better. Nice. But since, yeah, it's really good. I'm not depressed anymore. I have more energy. Uh, my joints are feeling better. Uh, you know, the there are a lot of changes happening. And but this is actually, and we're going to be doing a podcast on it soon, through this work that Stephen and I did with David Flowers of True Wisdom, True Immunity. And through his work, he he worked with natural remedies um, for many years and different modalities. And he came to, he somehow figured out how to turn the immune system on by just signaling from one brain to another. And so that's what we did at the end of July. And it's it's pretty interesting. So your body first goes through, once the immune system is reactivated or activated again, um, it goes through the blood killing pathogens. And once that's done, then your body goes into repair mode if it needs to. Now, like with the training that we did, uh, there was one, one guy was with us. Umar, lovely gentleman, but he's like 26 or 28, I think. So he's in really good shape. Um, He didn't really have much repair to do. So, but for me, I've had thyroid adrenal issues for, for many, many years. Um, There's obviously been a, a great deal of gut inflammation and things like that. So between what I did first was work with functional medicine doctors. And then I did this true immunity uh, true wisdom, true immunity 
I guess we'll call it a modality. Um, but people, we've been working with people who, who've stopped taking all their supplements, their allergies are gone, their skin's clearing up. Um, one young lady, she's just, she's a teenager, terrible, terrible, from what I understand. I haven't put my nose to her feet, but I guess her feet <laughs> just were awful, really, really awful. And warts. Um, now, the warts haven't fallen off yet. David says it takes, I believe, two to four months for warts to just naturally slough off. But her feet are starting to not smell anymore and getting better and better. And it's, I think it's only been a couple of months for them. So we're seeing a lot of a lot of changes, a lot of things happening personally, you know, I, from my personal experience, like I said, I'm I'm constantly decreasing my my thyroid medication. I'm going to do lab work next week again and we'll see where I'm at. But you know, I definitely I was so low energy and so depressed because I just really felt like crap and and, and I was taking all top quality supplements eating really well, eating mostly organic. We were constantly fooling around with my, my T4, T3 medication to, um, cause my, my lab work, my thyroid lab work was all over the place and trying to get me to feel better. And most things for me will work for a couple of weeks and then it just kind of stops. So I've, and acupuncture and, you know, I've, I've done everything that I can get my hands on over these years since, Mm, 2001 was my thyroid crash and you know stuff helps but it's just it's not getting at the core which the immune system needs to be turned on your immune functions can handle pretty much everything it's designed your immune system's designed to keep you healthy and to keep you functioning well and for most of us uh especially as we get older um through you know whatever kinds of stressors in our life, whether it's nutritional or emotional, mental, physiological, uh, it, it starts breaking down. And once you get it turned back on again, uh, it seems like, you know, it, it, according to David, even if you have like MS or diabetes or, you know, something that's pretty darn serious, your body, your immune system can get turned on, reactivated, and you can be immune to disease. Now, if the organs, if there are organs that are too far gone, too damaged, that they can't be repaired, you know, there's not much that can be done about that. But uh, but the immune system can be turned on and you can uh, repair as much as possible. It's, it's a very individual thing. Each person, you know, just has to experience it and see, you know, see where it takes them. Yeah, I think, um, I think, kind of underlying everything that we've talked about today is just the fact that uh, our bodies and the our bodies have within them the ability to be healthy the mm. the planet seems to have a lot of stuff that was put here specifically to keep us healthy and for some reason <laughs> a lot of people have decided that just introducing all kinds of artificial things will do a better job. And it's been my experience that the, the, the artificial, uh, both the artificial foods and the artificial um, healing processes tend to do more damage than just sticking with the natural stuff. And again, not a doctor, but anecdotally from my own experience, um, the, the, the artificial stuff is, is just, just 
not nearly as good. Well, and so the question is, in my mind, this is what's coming to me as you're talking. So why are people so uh, apt to just jump on the bandwagon of a pharmaceutical? Well, first of all, you look at all the ads. I mean, I can remember a time when there were no ads for drugs on TV. (laughs) You know, now just about every other ad is for some pharmaceutical. And people are busy. And, you know, it's easy to pop a pill. And everybody wants to feel better. Everybody wants to feel good. So if you can take the easy way and just pop a pill, instead of changing your diet, a lot of people don't want to change their diet. They don't want to change their lifestyle. They mm-hmm. want to keep pushing it and pushing it, not getting enough sleep. I, I mean, I, I was just reading. It's funny because David uh, Flowers talks about how sleep is so important. Sleep and, and drinking lots of good, clean water so that it can flush out the toxins. And I was just reading, might have been in The Week, the magazine that I, I read, uh, about studies of how people are just not getting enough sleep anymore. And, you know, that's when your body repairs. Mm-hmm. And I'm finding, especially since doing, uh, since getting my immune system turned on, that it it makes even more of a difference now for me. Like last night, I got a good night's sleep. I'm feeling pretty darn good today. But the last couple of days, um, oh, you know, Stephen was snoring, and I was having <laughs> trouble. You know, I mean, there's a million reasons for. I, I just I got a couple of nights where I really did not get enough sleep, and man, I just. You know, in fact, I said to Stephen yesterday, I said, I'm kind of feeling, I don't think this is what's happening, but I think it's because I haven't gotten enough sleep. I'm kind of feeling like I'm relapsing, you know, and feeling like crap again. But like I said, last night, I I, I think I got nine, maybe 10 hours sleep and I feel, I feel good again today. So I, I think people really underestimate the importance of, of good sleep. You know, I know people who get five, six hours of sleep, and they're so proud of the fact that they don't need any more and they can just keep plugging away. But I'm not so sure if that's really the best. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think sleep is probably important. I, going back to what you said, though, as, as to why people are so prone to, to live this way, um, we're kind of, as kids were taught that there's like authority figures and they have all the answers and we have to just shut up and listen to them. And then a lot of us go through our entire lives, never really breaking that programming. We, we, um, expect you go to, you look at like the, the modern workplace. Most people just want to show up and be told what to do. They don't want to take on any responsibility. You look at politics. Mm -hmm. Most people just want to show up to the voting polls and be told what to do. They don't want to take any responsibility for their society. They want to leave it in the hands of the all-knowing politicians and <laughs> look where that's gotten us. Mm. Um, and when it comes to our health, a lot of us are the same way. We just want to be told what to do. We want authority figures to tell us what the solution is. And uh, those authority figures, they're human beings just like us. They look to their authority figures, which is usually the pharmaceutical companies and the FDA, Mm -hmm. and they ask them, well, what should I tell the people that are looking to me for answers? And those people that run the the pharmaceutical companies and the FDA, they look to to their paymasters as well. So when it comes down to it, people just don't want to be responsible. They want the microwave popcorn solution. They just instead of having to be responsible for cooking a meal, they just want to throw something something in the microwave and push three buttons and and 
have it delivered to them. And uh, that right there is, it's something that on an individual level, on the microcosm, all the way to the macro on an entire global level, we're seeing that it just doesn't work. And some people like you and like me, we break out and we say, I'm going to take some responsibility over my own health. I'm going to take some responsibility over my own finances, over my own life. Uh, but a lot of people from cradle to grave never break that. And I think that that's where the, you asked earlier, how do we, how do we break out of this? The real solution comes down to an individual level. People have to, as individuals have to say, I'm not looking to authority figures for how to live my life anymore. I'm going to start trying to figure out how to do it myself. And that is probably a decision that you made a long time ago from, mm -hmm. from knowing you. And uh, I think that decision is what really sets people free. Mm -hmm. I would agree. I've often thought my dad was an entrepreneur and I often thought, uh, you know, that that has influenced me a lot more than I realized. Um, because, you know, there's a certain, a certain mindset, as you know, that like I've talked to Stevens boys about, you know, you've got to, you've got to develop self-control, self-responsibility. You've got to be disciplined if you want to be an entrepreneur. Um, otherwise, you can just go work for somebody else. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you want the independence and of, of doing what you want to do and how you want to do it, there are, are qualities that you need to develop or naturally have to have to have. And, you know, the other day I talked to someone and she said that uh, she was talking about her thyroid test. And I said, oh, well, what test does your doctor, you know, have have you do? And she didn't know. And I'm like, are mm -hmm. you kidding me? I, I mean, I just I couldn't believe it. I was flabbergasted. I thought I, and, and she didn't really know what her what the results were or. I mean, man, I would be on it. I have copies of all my stuff. I do research. I um, I mean, I want to know. And, you know, in my mother's day or my dad's day, I, you know, people did tend to look up to doctors and put them on pedestals and just do what they said. But they only have so much training. Most doctors don't even have any training in nutrition. Um, they, there are a lot of areas that they don't have training in. And if they don't have some kind of an interest, uh, like the whole thyroid adrenal thing, it's very complex. And a doctor has to have some real interest in really learning and understanding the whole dynamics. And if they don't, you know, they just will, will, uh, prescribe, uh, the, the basic, TSH test, maybe add T4 in, and and that's it. And that just totally disregards the dynamics and in in complexity of how the body works and what's going on. And um, you know, if if you don't know any better, and then then that's all you do. Mm -hmm. But fortunately, we do live in a time where that information is available. You can go on and and. That's where it really comes back, back to is, uh, do you take that responsibility? Do you go out there and look, or do you just blindly submit to the authority figure in, in, in your health, in the, in the realm of health in your life? And, uh, that's where that's, again, that's what it comes down to is that's what the solution is going to ultimately come to is people have to do that for themselves. They have to make that decision for themselves. And, uh, society is always downhill of the personal choices. So if people as individuals start saying, 
And I think we're kind of seeing that happen. Like consumption of mainstream media is, is dwindling. People no longer trust the authority figures of the news, whether it's right leaning or left leaning, Mm -hmm. they're both plummeting. Mm -hmm. Um, Public education, more and more people are becoming autodidactic and, and looking for countering points from what they learned in public education and, more people, you, the old model used to be you go to school, you go to college, you get a degree, you get a job for a company and you stay there and you retire. Well, that doesn't work anymore. Companies, companies are going down. The new uh, paradigm is you need to have skills that you can market yourself. There's more freelancers, there's more entrepreneurs. That's, that's quickly becoming, you know, Walmarts are shutting down and, and Sears is shutting down and, uh, these big companies, Exxon, or not Exxon, uh, uh, Enron, these big mm-hmm. companies, these these too big to fail organizations, they're failing. And so people are having to wake up to the fact that just blind trust and authority figures isn't working anymore. And as that happens, uh, I think that, and also as the open source education model of the internet um, what works, people are going to, there's going to be kind of like a division. There's going to be the people that take that responsibility on for themselves and they learn how to disseminate what's good information from what's bad information. And they learn how to be critical of their own thought processes and they learn how to take responsibility for them, for their own lives. And then there's going to people, there's going to be people that don't. And, uh, it's really down to the, to the individual, um, level. You've got to make that decision for yourself. And, I, I'm kind of hopeful for the fact that I see more and more people starting to take, again, sometimes you look at the news and you look how divided people have become and you look at the the fringe radicals on either end and it kind of is disheartening. But I know a lot of people in the middle that are that are way better as far as taking personal responsibility than just two generations were ago. So um I would agree. I think the problem is you don't hear about those people. <laughs> they're yeah. they're not they're not the drama queens, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're those quiet pe- quietly making change. Yeah, those people don't make good headlines. Mm-mm, mm-mm. No, not at all. So as far as the pharmaceutical industry and advertising and um you know, for example, I would say if 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 somebody sees an uh, an ad on TV for a pharmaceutical that sounds like it would help them, you know, before you go to your doctor and say, oh, what about this? Um, I heard about this and maybe this will help me and have him write you a script. Do a lot of research first. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, what the side effects are, um, how much, you know, a lot of a lot of pharmaceuticals don't actually get much clinical trials. They are for a very short period of time. Um, look at how, you know, what other things might be available that are are more natural. Do some research before you just, because your doctor, I think, is, I mean, it depends on the doctor, not, you know, I think some are, are much more um, open to other ideas. I, I've definitely had many doctors who are open to other ideas and some who just aren't and just willing to write whatever prescription you want. So, you know, it's only you can take control of your health. You don't want to be a victim to to the healthcare system. Um, you don't want to be a victim in any way. 
you want to take responsibility and take control for your health, just like you would anything else in your life. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, we have we do live in a time where that is possible if you want to make that decision. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what might be a, a parting uplifting <laughs> a bit of advice that that you could give our listeners or you know I really I, I want to thank you so much for being so candid about your life um, your upbringing your family you know it's interesting when I, most of my friends always wanted my parents I um, <laughs> they wanted to be part of my family because I had such great parents and when I went to nursing school, we, for some reason, it was the University of Massachusetts, but it was a smallish class. The The nursing school had been closed for a couple of years and it just reopened. So it, I think there were only like 26 of us. And so we got pretty close. And we talk about our, you know, our families and our, our background and stuff. And I swear, I was the only person that had a pretty normal upbringing. And I used to think, I was, you know, that that was the norm. And I realized my upbringing is not the norm. The (laughs) dysfunctional family seems to be much more of the norm. You know, it's, it's not easy to grow up in a dysfunctional family. No, but you know, this is the way I look at it. I kind of look back at everything and I, I try to learn lessons. I try to figure out how I can find empowerment from disempowering Mm -hmm. situations. Mm -hmm. I feel like um, a strong sword isn't ever forged in a bed of feathers. So if I have to, if I have to be raked through the coals once in a while, I, I try to find areas where it'll make me stronger. And that's kind of how I look at, at life in general. When, when I hit a hiccup, I try to figure out, well, what's the lesson here? Uh, Even if I fail miserably, I try to figure out, well, why did I fail? What can I do differently next time? And when it comes to your health, when it comes to your pursuits in life, when it comes to just living in general, there's two ways that you can take it. You can say, oh, I was diagnosed with this or, oh, um, I tried to do this and it didn't work out or, oh, I had this friendship or this relationship and it didn't work out. Um, you You can either be a victim to it and that a lot of people are comfortable playing the victim. A lot of people are comfortable saying, well, life dealt me a crappy hand, so I might as well just, you know, take my ball and go home. Mm -hmm. Um, Or you can say, well, how is, how is this a, how is this a, 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 um, a strengthening um, opportunity? How can I use this to make myself stronger? And that's, I had to learn that very early on in life. I had to learn very early on. uh, We were poor. Mm-hmm. Does that mean I'm a victim to society? At first, I believed that. For a long time, I believed that. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad, my dad was abusive. My dad was an alcoholic, and he was hooked on heroin. My mom was hooked on prescription drugs, and could, you know, could I have very easily said, "Well, poor picked on me, and I'm a victim, and I need society to take care of me because I was dealt a crappy uh, hand of cards"? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's where it comes down to. Uh, when bad stuff happens, whether like for you, Janine, when, when you had your thyroid issue, you could just say, well, I got dealt a crappy hand and I'm just going to have to live the miserable life until I die. Or you can say, okay, well, this is what happened. 
And what do I need to do to rectify it? What can I do to make the situation better? And if I can't make the situation better, what can I do to learn and make the situation as best as it possibly can be? And that's what it comes down to. You have to make that decision for yourself. And the people that make that decision for themselves tend to fare off or tend to fare a lot better off in life than the people that say, well, I'm a victim, poor picked on me and it's not fair and somebody else needs to come make my life better. And that's what it comes down to. Are you going to make your life better or are you going to uh, play the victim and expect somebody else to make your life better? And that's that's the big defining factor when when you come across something in life. Um, make that decision. Am I going to make my life better or am I going to play the victim and let somebody else come make my life better? And you have control over what you do. You don't have control over whether your, uh, your knight in shining armor actually comes along to make your life better. Mm -hmm. And if you are in victim mode, there's nothing you, you're, you you do not have control because it's, you're, you're handing control over to other people. So you can't, make change. I know when I used to regularly um, uh, work with people as a life coach, I would say, even if you don't know what you're, how, how you got into the situation, how you're contributing to it, how you're, how you're creating it, if you can at least acknowledge that you are creating this, it's not anyone else outside of you, then I can work with you. But if you think that you're a victim and that it's about everybody else and not about you. There's nothing there for me to work with. Yeah. Cause you can't change other people. You can only change yourself. Right. Right. And, and then you, you, you are a victim because you're, you're letting everyone else be in control of how you feel, how you think, how you act. And you know, you, yeah, you can't change other people. You can only change yourself. You can only look at yourself and decide to evolve or devolve. Yeah, I think if if there's one thing to end the note on, or end the show on, if mm -hmm. there's one note to end the show on, that's what it is. Personal responsibility, um, realizing that you have a lot more power over your life than you've been led to believe, and just grabbing those reins and, and taking control of your life. Even when you feel like you've been victimized, you still have control, you still have power, and uh, and ultimately the direction of your life will either come down to bowing down to authority or or bowing down to your own personal authority and and i prefer to live life by my own personal authority mm -hmm. i agree well said well said oh thank you so much nathan i uh, i think that's probably a really great place to end. We uh, Just so our listeners know, this is sort of an uh, off-the-cuff conversation. We weren't exactly sure where it was going to go. <laughs> and um, I, I really, really appreciate your, your authenticity. Yeah, that, well, I think that's, that's what it would be, your authenticity. Uh, all right. I appreciate you inviting me on, and um, I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. And uh, do you mind if I plug the podcast oh, oh, service please do yes i always i always uh ask people to do that and i i i was kind of slipping there so thank you for reminding me please plug well, whatever okay. you want so i i don't have any uh anything to help people with their health but both janine and i we both podcast and we use a service called blast pod to host our podcast and if you're interested in in like i said it's a wonderful time to be alive if you've got a message to share 
if you've got an impact to make on the world, it's possible now, whereas it wasn't 10, 15 years ago. And so that's what my business is all about, is is helping people like Janine and, and people like myself get our messages out there. And uh, if you've got a message and you want to get it out there and you think podcasting is a good solution for you, um, you can head over to Podcast Blastoff and it's podcastblastoff.com. We've got a bunch of information there on how to get started on podcasting. Uh, we've got a quick start guide to help you get podcasting right away. And we also uh, offer a service where we we uh, help people host their podcasts, get their podcast website up and get their podcast out there to their listeners. So um, if you do want to take advantage of, of kind of the modern day Gutenberg press, um, <laughs> podcasting is definitely it. And that's kind of what I'm all about is is uh, not just complaining about the monopoly that five corporations have on all the mainstream media, instead finding a solution to it. And podcasting has been that solution for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would like to say the reason that I chose uh, your company is, you know, I did a lot of research, as always, when I first decided to do a podcast. And, you know, there are lots of big companies out there um, hosting podcasts, but there was just something about your your authenticity, your your helpfulness, your willing to be helpful. I like supporting entrepreneurs. I like uh, supporting small companies, and it just it just felt right to me. And I waited about a week or two. I you know I really wanted to think about it, and it just kept coming to me that you guys are the right person. And I'm awesome. really, I'm really glad that uh, that I signed on with you, and and you've been so helpful to me because I was such a newbie, still am, but <laughs> <laughs> I still have questions for you. <laughs> uh, I'm always happy to answer them, and I uh, I love having the relationship. We're, we're not the biggest company. We're we're still at the point where, as the CEO of the company, I'm still able to have personal relationships with most of our customers. So. Um, I feel I feel blessed to be in the position that I'm in. So I I, uh, I feel just as grateful for it as, as most of my customers express that they feel. Great. Well, thank you so much, everyone. You've been listening to Keeping It Real with Janine, your guide to living an authentic, healthy life. We've been having a wonderful conversation with Nathan Fraser. Do you have a blog or anything like that? Um, just go to podcastblastoff.com and you can check it out there. Okay, great, great. Thank you so much. And you can find our podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And you know, if you go to iTunes, you can rate and review and subscribe to the show so you won't miss an episode. And uh, so it would be great if you could do that. Show notes can be found on our podcast website, realjanine.com. And once again, J-A-N-E-A-N as well as links to guest web pages. And you can leave comments or questions and sign up, remember, for the Real Janine mail list. And you know, do you have one or two friends who would enjoy this conversation, maybe get something out of it? Please share the love. I'd really appreciate it. Take care and be well.